0: Welcome to the 32nd episode of the Kale podcast. Today we're going to be taking a look at UFC Fight Night Dan Ige versus the Korean Zombie. And after that, we're going to look at some other news inside of the UFC. Because last week we had a lot of fight announcements for this summer. And after that, we are going to look forward to next week's fight card of Surreal Gan versus Alexander Volkov. So... We're going to start off right at the main event of the Korean Zombie versus Dan Ige. This was a much better version of the Korean Zombie in this fight than what we saw in his last fight with Brian Ortega. In this fight the Korean Zombie was able to mix up his offensive wrestling and his striking a lot better than he did in that last fight. and. The Korean Zombie is a very underrated grappler. He has great submission skills on the ground. So for him to be able to get this fight on the ground, it really changes the fight. Because whenever he is in control on the ground, he is always in a position where he can submit guys and he was able to get in advantageous positions last night on the ground. Uh, He took Dan Ige's back several times. And I think what was most impressive about his grappling is that he was so good on his timing with his takedowns. We saw a lot of times he would slip a punch, boom, land a takedown. There were times where, especially in the later rounds of this fight, Dan Ige was being, was you know really switching it up very well. He was going to the body well. And he was going to the head, he was mixing it up, and he was starting to find success. And when Dan Ige started to change his game plan to create more success for himself, the Korean Zombie was able to land takedowns to kind of end his momentum. So every time Dan Ige got any bit of momentum on the feet, the Korean Zombie was able to land a takedown and kind of mute his... um, his offense in terms of striking which is really one of the best ways to utilize wrestling if you're not going to be super if you're not going to be a super offensive wrestler using wrestling to mitigate your opponent's striking is, is one of the best ways that you can use it in MMA so that was very good from the Korean zombie and on the feet he was landing he ate a couple more punches than you know he probably would have liked Because that was also a part of Dan Ige who's also a very good striker. But he was still very successful on the feet. And as much credit as I'm giving to the Korean Zombie here, Dan Ige also looked really good. Dan Ige was thrown in there with the Korean Zombie who was ranked number 4. And, you know, that's a pretty solid ranking for the Korean Zombie. And Dan Ige went out there and proved that he is, you know, a top tier featherweight. He, you know, he didn't go out there and prove that he was, you know, um, close to a title, which I imagine that's what he would have liked to do. But um, he did prove that he is a top 10 guy, and he did prove that he can get in there and be in competitive fights with some of the top guys in this division. And that is something that um, I believe most people were sold on. But I think this performance kind of... um, cements that because even though Dan Ige lost he's not going to move down too far in the rankings he's still a top tier featherweight and before we get too crazy let's talk about a little bit more about the Korean Zombies performance because I'm still impressed by this performance because like I said he was able to mix his wrestling and his striking very well and he showed a lot of improvements. From his last fight. And it sounds like he wants to stay active. Unfortunately. He um, he did say that he popped his shoulder out. In the second round. So I'm going to assume. He's going to have to. You know wait a little bit here. Before he can get back in the octagon. But when he gets back in. He's going he's gonna to get a big name guy. That's just how it goes. When you're the Korean zombie. And you're coming off a win. And deservedly so. So. This featherweight division right now might be the most difficult division to matchmake for just because, you know, um, this is in the in my notes for the later section, but we'll bring it up now because it is a very important um, part of the story we're trying to tell and what we're talking about. Um, Max Holloway did have to pull out of the Yair Rodriguez fight, so that kind of opens up this division, you know, a lot more. Cause, and we don't know yet. It sounds like the UFC was trying to rebook that Max Holloway and Yaya Rodriguez fight. But we don't know that for sure. Um, So that kind of that kind of opens up a bunch of possibilities here. And I think right now that if we're going to have Max Holloway fight before he gets his title shot. Because let's not forget that Max Holloway any second could say, You know what? I'm going to heal up and I'll fight for the title next. He doesn't have to fight again before he gets a title shot. Um, once again, deservedly so. When you're Max Holloway coming off two very close losses to Volkanovski, the champion. And you have a incredibly convincing win over Brian Ortega, the contender, in that title fight. Albeit that was several years ago. Nonetheless, still very impressive. Um And that second fight with Volkanovski, I'm not going to sit here and talk about who won that fight. But a lot of people do believe Max won that fight. And I think that goes to show how competitive those two are when they fight one another. So, for Max Holloway, he doesn't have to fight again. But if Max Holloway does fight again before he gets that title shot, I I think that the Korean Zombie is the way to go for him. If you think about it, you know, logically, Max... Just got injured and had to pull out of this fight. And Korean Zombie just fought and sounds like he's going to need some time to recover. So both these guys are going to need time to recover. Give them time to recover. Book them against one another. And, um, you know, they probably have similar... They're probably on a similar time span for when they can return to the octagon. Yair Rodriguez, on the other hand, needs to return sooner. Um, He, you know, doesn't really have the time to wait... Like, um, like Max and, um, the Korean zombie can simply because the Korean zombie, both those guys actually have been more active and Max Holloway already has a title shot in hand. So he doesn't need to be active right now. Right now. Yeah. Rodriguez needs to be active because he hasn't fought since, um, he hasn't fought since 20, October 18th of 2019. I have a sketch or his record pulled up here. But when you haven't fought since late 2019, you're not really in, you know, the front minds of the fans. Zabit got pulled out of the rankings for not fighting after a similar period of time off. So, Yair needs to get back in there. And in my mind, Yair really hasn't done as much as the Korean Zombie in terms of getting a fight with someone like Max Holloway. You have to earn a Max Holloway fight, in my opinion, Almost like you have to earn a championship fight because a lot of people think Max is the championship. And if you beat Max, you're going to be fighting for the belt next. So I don't think you can just throw someone in there with the fight with Max. It's just not fair. And, you know, with Max, if someone isn't on Max's level, it's going to be a long night and they could face severe setbacks in their career, like Calvin Cater. At the time, we thought that would be a more competitive fight, but Max proved that he was on a higher level higher level than Calvin Cater, and you know, Calvin Cater is still reaping the uh, damages from that fight, it sounds like, at least of a couple months ago he was, so we can't just throw Max Holloway in with anybody, you know, just because they're ranked in the top 10 of the UFC doesn't mean they can compete with Max Holloway, so... And Yair really doesn't, he does have that win over the Korean Zombie, which is, you know, his big kind of, um, the big advantage he has here. But that fight was in 2018, and the Korean Zombie was winning that fight up until the knockout in the last 10 seconds of that fight. So, um, overall... I'd like to see Max Holloway versus the Korean Zombie. They return at a should return at a very similar time and the Korean Zombie proved he's still a top featherweight. I think that, yeah, Rodriguez should have to go out there just like the Korean Zombie did and prove that he is still a top tier featherweight before we throw him in there with Max Holloway. Uh, I lean towards the guys that have proved things more recently. If you're going to make um, if you're going to make the Korean Zombie go in there and prove he's still a top-tier featherweight after losing to Brian Ortega last year, you kind of have to do the same with air Rodriguez, throw him in there with another guy who's just outside the top five and have him prove he's still a top-tier featherweight, and then you can progress his career from there, and that's just my opinion on uh, on that. But that top-tier featherweight who who would that name be for yay rodriguez i think there are a couple guys that really stand out to me i would have really liked the josh emmett fight but at this point i'm not really gonna sit here and um i'm not gonna sit here and you know really campaign for that fight because it sounds like josh emmett is still going to be out for a large period of time the last report i saw was that he'd be ecstatic to get back before the end of 2020 But realistically, we probably won't see Josh Emmett until 2022. So, on paper, that fight um, in a perfect world would be a very fun fight that I think would be very beneficial for both guys. But Josh Emmett just isn't there with his health. So, obviously, that is, you know, not something that we can do. Outside of that, you have Arnold Allen, you have Edson Barbosa, and Giga Chikatse. I think that those guys are the those guys are the guys, the three guys for me. I think that they're all um they're all up and comers in this division. Obviously Edson Barbosa has been a top tier lightweight and he's been around the UFC for a long time. But he is new I shouldn't say new to the featherweight division, but you know, he is at his peak right now in terms of his featherweight ranking. So Edson Barbosa, up-and-comer in the featherweight division. I don't even like saying that. That isn't the best way to describe Edson Barbosa. But for Arnold Allen and Gigi Chikaze, they're both relatively new to many UFC fans, but they're both highly talented. And they could both go out there and give, yeah, Rodriguez a real test. And I think that's definitely Arnold Allen. He has definitely earned um, a high-profile fight. I think Giga has also earned a high-profile fight. And like I said, Edson Barbosa has earned a high-profile fight. I think out of those three guys, Edson has probably earned it the most. I put more stock in beating Shane Burgos than I do a beating Cub Swanson or beating Sadiq Yusuf. And that's not that Yusuf and and, um, Cub Swanson aren't talented. I just think that the fight we saw from Edson Barbosa was, you know, probably, you know, if you compare all the all three of those fights, Shane Burgos is probably the toughest guy to beat, Yusuf being a close second, but um, you could give that fight to any of those three guys if they're ready, and I wouldn't put up a complaint. I know it would look a little bit weird in the rankings because Yair, Yair is three as of right now, I think it is very likely that the Korean Zombie does jump him in the rankings. And he slides down to 4. However, um, four, 3 or 4 versus 7, 9, or 10 wouldn't be unprecedented. So I think that is still very much on the table. Especially if those guys are coming in short notice. And I think all 3 of those guys, like I said, have earned that right to be in there with someone of VIA's caliber. So, moving on. We had in the co-main event, we had the legend Alexei Olenek versus Sergei Spinov. And, or Spivak, excuse me. This was um, another very good performance from a young heavyweight. And he is just adding to the list, Sergei is, of heavyweights who are new to these rankings. Because I imagine that... Sergey is going to be ranked in these heavyweight rankings come Tuesday because he did just beat the number 15 guy. Traditionally, when you beat the 15 guy, you are now 15. So he is kind of in the same position as a lot of other heavyweights right now. There are a lot of heavyweights in that, you know, probably 5 to 15 range, I would say, just off the top of my head here. Not five, seven, eight, maybe, eight to fifteen. there's a lot of guys in that chunk of fighter who have, you know, just recently become ranked, who have, you know, don't really have a bunch of experience, who don't, you know have super high quality wins. I mean, even if you look at um, you know, whether that's Sergey Spiva Spivak or whether that's Tom Espinall or whether that's Chris Douskis. They all have wins against big name heavyweights, but those guys were all on decline. Alexei Olenek and Andre Arlovsky. So what is next? What is next for these guys? Or, you know, we'll just talk about Spivak, but um, he's already fought Machine, Tybura He's already fought Tai Tuivasa. He's already fought Walt Harris. So that kind of puts him in, you know, Augusto, or, um, Walt Harris and Walt Harris was someone who, you know, kind of, Walt Harris was someone who was kind of an interesting fight if they wouldn't have already fought already. I think that, in all honesty, you can just do whatever with these, you know, seven through fifteen you just got to get these guys matched up we need to see some of these heavyweights in action you know tom espinal chris dowskis augusto sakai just fought um but we need to see these guys fighting fighting frequently and then we can kind of have some you know fighters emerge from that seven to fifteen kind of log jam and you know someone can kind of break into that top six because in that top six we are running out of fights at heavyweight you have Francis, Stepe, Derek Lewis, Surreal Gan, Curtis Blades, Alexander Volkov, and Rosen Rosenstrike. I think that most people agree that that's a clear top six. Not saying that that top six beats every single person behind him. Obviously, Styles make fights. So you could see someone from 7 to 15 get a win, um, especially against a good grappler. I guess Jairzino would have a real chance. But we need some more fighters in that range who can get into the top seven and really, you know, really test these new up and coming or these, you know, newly top tier heavyweights because Francis has already fought Stipe. He is gonna fight Derek Lewis a rematch. He's already fought Curtis Blades twice. You have Suriel Ghan, you have Volkov. gone and um Gan and Volkov are fighting. Rosenstrike and Blades are gonna fight. Gonna talk about that later. Stipe is not gonna fight any of these guys. You know, a lot of these guys have already fought, and we gotta get some more names in there. Long story short, we gotta get more names in there, and then a lot for Alexei Lenick, I really do think it's time to retire. I said it after his last fight. I think it's time to retire, but um, nonetheless, um, if he wants to keep fighting, he's earned that right. But I think that retirement is the best option. Because when you are on, I believe Alexi Olenek is on a losing streak. I don't really particularly like watching Alexi Olenek lose. I don't think anybody does because he is a great guy and he is a fan favorite. So no one wants to see him retire. But at the same time, I don't want to see him keep losing. He, uh, his last win was May 2020, but he fights frequently. So he's lost his last three in a row prior to that. Excuse me. So, you know, I think the best move for Olenek is to retire. And that's no shade at Olenek. He's had a great career. Maybe, maybe he's just continued. Maybe we give him one more against a terrible grappler. Give him, uh, if Greg Hardy loses his next fight, give him Greg Hardy. So then he could submit Greg Hardy and walk out of MMA with 60 wins. Maybe he's chasing a number 60 for him. I don't know. But um, I'd love to see Alexi Olenek maybe go out there and choke out Reg Hardy. So just just a thought there. Moving on, moving on. Marlon Vera got a decision victory over Davey Grant where he looked very good. And this was the Marlon Vera, Marlon Chito Vera, that many people were you know calling to be a title contender at 135 in the future. Obviously, he had a setback with Jose Aldo. However, however losing to Jose Aldo isn't, you know, that doesn't put a coffin in your career cuz Aldo is still a great bantamweight. And Cheeto has a has always has an ace up his sleeve with the rematch of Sean O'Malley. And Sean O'Malley's fighting again soon, so maybe we get that rematch there. And as long as they're both in the UFC, well, as long as they're both performing in the UFC, At a high level that match will always be there for Cheeto Vera what's going on here what's going on here this episodes run getting off the tracks here but however as long as Cheeto Vera is performing at a top level he will have that match with O'Malley and in the future you can match Marlon Vera with a lot of these guys in front of him and you're gonna get compelling fights whether that's Kyler Phillips, whether that's Cody Stamen, whether that's Jimmy Rivera, whether that's Javiela Sonsau. And I believe some of those guys are already matched up. Don't remember directly off the top of my head, but there's a lot of options for Marlon Vera moving forward. I'd like to see him against the ranked guy. I think he earned that right after that performance against Davy Grant. So who that guy is doesn't really make that big of a difference to me. So that's just something to keep in mind that Marlon Vera... And I wanted to say that on record that I think he deserves a ranked opponent in his next fight. That is the last fight I wanted to talk about from Saturday's card. Now we're going to move on to the news section here. And we've already touched on the largest piece of news. And that piece of news was that Max Holloway is out of his fight with Yair Rodriguez. And, you know, we did touch on that, so we're not going to continue to dwell on that. Um, Just go back if you kind of, you know, it does suck that Max is out, but um, like I said, he's earned that title shot. And he could be, you know, he could be rebooked with the air, or the UFC could look for a fight with the Korean Zombie. Those are all things to keep in mind for Max Holloway moving forward. And then probably the biggest fight announcement maybe maybe not you know I guess it depends here a lot of a lot of top 10 guys getting booked up but um in the heavyweight division we saw Jorginho Rosenstrike has been booked to fight Curtis Blades at UFC 266 this is going to be a three round fight this will not be the main event I imagine you knew that but you know just to uh, clarify to anyone who did not know that this will be a three-round fight for those who don't like five-round heavyweight fights. Now, this one is really seeming. It's really looking like it's going to be Curtis Blades by ground and pound, or by you know three, ten, eight rounds of him controlling the fight on the ground. That is what we're looking at right now. However, if you're Darzyniuk Rosenstrike, you saw the game plan from Derek Lewis. He laid out the game plan. All you have to do is follow it. Can he follow a game plan like that as well as Derek Lewis? We're going to have to wait and see. That's why they fight. Haha. And then on August 7th, we are going to see Vicente Luque versus Michael Chiesa, and I was on board with this fight announcement because these two guys, you can make the case from X's and O's just in numbers and win streaks and rankings and performances. You could make the case that Vicente Luque or Michael Chiesa deserve to be in there with someone like Jorge Masvidal or Wonderboy Thompson or Leon Edwards. However, from a star power standpoint, those fights probably aren't getting booked. Especially against Jorge Masvidal and probably not against Leon Edwards. And Stephen Thompson is already booked. So... That leaves those two, you know, just kind of play it safe here because at at 170, it's so hard to get a fight booked in the top 10 now, it seems, when you've got two guys who are kind of in the same boat in terms of trying to make a title push and make a title run. You might as well just fight each other so you don't have to deal with all the other politics that are going on at 170. So, um, Vicente Luque and Michael Chiesa, that just makes sense. And then the winner is going to be in a good position to fight one of those, you know, previous mentioned guys. Whether they want to move down in the rankings and fight Jorge because he's a big name. Or whether they want to push for, for the title because they'll have another matchup soon. These guys are going to have to get booked. Kobe Covington is going to eventually have to fight. Whether that's for the title or whether Leon Edwards gets that title shot. You know, we're going to have Gilbert Burns versus Wonderboy as long as that fight you know, goes, you know, as long as they get in the octagon with each other, it's booked already, but if we see that fight, one of those guys is going to lose, the other one's going to be a borderline title contender, but for the loser, Wonderboy, or excuse me, for the loser of Burns and Wonderboy, the winner of Luke and Chiesa is going to be a very tempting match for them, so these two are both doing each other a favor, you know, kind of helping each other out. And the winner is going to get the benefit of that. So I think that was a very good booking by the UFC. And a good way of strategically p- playing your desi- your division from Luque and Chiesa. So commendable all the way around for me. And then we have Askar Askarov and Alex Perez will fight on July 31st. This is a big fight. Because this is going to be... There is a world where the winner of this fight fights for the title next. And, you know, regardless, even regardless of how they win, if Divison Figueredo moves to 135 and Cody Garbarant stays at 135, the winner of this has to fight for a title. <coughs> the winner of this has to fight for a title, excuse me. And even if... Figueredo stays at 135 as long as Cody Garbrandt doesn't move down to 135 they could still get that fight Even if Cody does move down if you can go out there and get an impressive victory They could potentially get a title fight There's a lot of situations that we're gonna have to wait and see like I just said Figueredo and Garbrandt What are they doing? And you know that will directly affect these two, but this fight does have a large meaning And I think this was the right fight in terms of, you know, booking top guys at 125. The only other name that you could really make the case was Alexandre Pantoja. But Perez did fight for a title. And he may have lost. He did, you know, he did fight for a title. And Asgar Asgarov has been on a very um, impressive streak. He has looked very good in the UFC. And he does have a draw with... Brandon Moreno, if I'm remembering that correctly, that was a while ago, but um, that is meaningful. That is meaningful because the champion did not beat him when they fought. So that is always something that is, you know, an, an interesting, an interesting, you know, thing to look at there. Yep, Brandon Moreno and Askar Askarov fought to a draw on September 21st of 2019. And then after that, uh, no big deal, Askar Askarov has beat Tim Elliott, Alexandre Pantoja, and Joseph Benavidez. And because, because Alexandre Pantoja and Askar Askarov have already fought, this Askar Askarov versus Alex Prez fight was probably the correct fight to make. So once again, good matchmaking by the UFC. And then the last fight announcement was Marlon Moraes versus Marab. Not gonna try and say his last name. Cuz I can't. So we're just gonna call him Marab like everyone else does. But Marlon Moraes versus Marab is another very good fight. Marlon has lost his last two in a row. He has slid to number six in the rankings. Marab, on the other hand, is looking very, very impressive. His last fight with Cody Stamen, Stamen, excuse me, he had a very impressive victory. And as long as Marab is still in this division, he's still going to be a problem because he can wrestle and he's got cardio. And when you have those two things, you're a problem. And then when you add all the other skills that Marab has. You know it's not like he's a bad striker even though he's a great wrestler with great cardio he's not a bad striker so and he can mix striking and grappling together very well so Marab has earned his way here and I think that this was a really good fight to make like I just said for Marlon Vera um, you know you could really match up 135 however you want and you're gonna have a good fight you know 135 might be one of the easiest divisions to match make, just because, you know, hey, we want Marlon and Rob. Okay, no one's going to complain. You want Frankie and Dominic Cruz? Okay, no one's going to complain. You want Pedro Moonhouse and Cody Garbrandt? No one's going to complain. You want a Sun Sound with Jimmy Rivera? No one's going to complain. Cody Stamman versus Kyler Phillips? Sounds fun to me. And that was, you know, just me putting zero thought into this and just looking at two names and throwing them up against each other. You see, that's how easy this division is to matchmake. And, you know, did the UFC get this one right? I believe they did. Because if you're Marlon Moraes, you have to prove yourself a top 10 guy because he has lost two in a row and he was knocked out back-to-back times. And Marab has, you know, shown the potential to be a top 10 guy. Put them up against each other. Voila. Easy easy money from the UFC. Good job. And then the last thing we're going to talk about. And we're going to try and make this quick. Because if you can't tell, the allergies are killing me today. And it's hot in here. I'm sweating. I'm ready to get out of here. I'm sure you're almost tired of listening. So the main event of this Saturday's fight card. We have Surreal Gan versus Alexander Volkov. These guys both looked very good. In their most recent fights, uh, Volkov with his knockout of Overeem and Surreal Gan with his win over Jairzinha Rosenstrike, And as as un, um, as uh, non-entertaining as that was to watch from many people's viewpoints, Surreal Gan lo- did look very good in that fight. And this one to me is a toss-up. It really is. These are two great strikers going in there against one another. One with elite movement. Surreal um, Gan moves so well, it's crazy in there. And two very diverse strikers who can throw a lot at you. Two giant guys, very strong. So, I think the difference here is going to be Surreal Gan, his movement, and him being able to disguise strikes. And sometimes he can go; he goes for takedowns. I think that's going to help him here. If he can, you know, mix in a couple takedowns to maybe, you know, push himself forward on the scorecards. Edge out a couple rounds. I think it's going to be a very close fight either way. But I do lean Surreal Gun in this one. And then the co-main, we have Tanner Bozer versus Ovin St. Prue. Some other fun fights on the card. We have Andre Feely versus Danielle Pineda. That fight is up. Uh, Fight of the night potential there. Tim Means versus Nicholas Dalby, same thing. And that's when Mike Kano versus Jay Herbert. I like all those fights from an entertainment standpoint. Might not be big names, but they're fun fighters to watch. And we have Ronnie Barcelos is back. Um, I'm, I'm always excited to see him fight because I am very impressed by him. We have the 13 and 0 at welterweight. Whose name I absolutely cannot pronounce. Um, And that is my apologies. He's the guy that runs around with the teal blue flag. And the the cool looking hat. And if you've watched him fight. You know exactly who I'm talking about. If you haven't watched him fight. You have no clue who I'm talking about. And if you don't know who I'm talking about. After that little description. You need to watch him fight. He is another top prospect at welterweight. Who has looked very good. Win over Cowboy Oliveira in his last fight, if I'm remembering that correctly. Um, I believe that was his last fight over on Fight Island. But he is a very impressive fighter. And I'm going to watch his fight. And since I'm going to watch his fight on Saturday, I'm going to remember how to say his name next Sunday when I film this. So, there's that for you. And then we also have Warley Alvarez on this card. Along with Charles Rosa and Yancy Medeiros, a handful of others, but those were just uh, the bigger names off the prelims. Um, so that should be a that should be very similar to this week's card. Not a ton of big names, not a ton of incredibly impactful fights, a handful of prospects that have looked very good in the past, and. It's probably gonna be one of those cards where there might be two fighters where you don't you don't know who both of them are, but one of them is gonna go out there and get a finish or it's gonna be a crazy fight. It'll probably be one of those cards, one of those cards where you look at something on Twitter and you're like, I should probably be watching this um, and if you miss it, you'll probably miss a lot of fun action. And if there is a lot of fun action, we'll be back here next week talking about it. And even if there isn't a lot of fun action, We'll still be back here next week talking about it. So make sure you tune in next week to the 33rd episode. This was the 32nd. Make sure you tune in next week for the 33rd episode of the Head Kit Kale podcast. And thank you once again for tuning in this week. Bye.